From training to performing, join our Big League Conversation. Welcome to the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast with your host, Eric Cressy. Welcome back to the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Cressy, and this is episode 38. We've got one of the absolute best dudes in baseball on the show, and I think you're really going to love his charisma and all the great information he brings to the table today. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. It's an all-in-one superfood supplement with 75 whole food sourced ingredients to support your body's nutritional needs across five critical areas energy, immunity, gut health, hormonal support, and healthy aging. I'm an avid user of Athletic Greens myself in spite of the fact that I tend to be a supplement minimalist. To me, this is a product that is much more like whole food nutritional insurance as opposed to a true supplement. The ingredients have been carefully selected at the highest quality, most natural source. You get essential vitamins and minerals, digestive enzymes, prebiotics, probiotics, and that's a zero compromise approach from the company. It's plant-based, sourced from whole foods at the highest quality, You won't find harmful chemicals, artificial colors or flavors, preservatives or added sugar. Um, Really, it's perfect for folks who are gluten and dairy free, paleo, keto, vegan friendly, um, great for people who are intermittent fasting, all that fun stuff. Um, Personally, I love it for for obviously our athletes who don't get enough nutritional uh, benefits from fruits and vegetables because they don't eat enough. So it's a way to kind of plug in holes in diets. But also, I really like it for our college and professional athletes who may have complex travel schedules where quality food options aren't always at hand. Um, On a personal level, I'm a husband, father of three, and an entrepreneur. Um, We split our time between two states, and and I'm also still an avid lifter. Um, So life is inherently crazy, and it can be stressful, and sleep deprivation is definitely something that we encounter. So I rely on Athletic Greens uh, for part of my immune support and believe firmly that it's it's made a big difference in keeping me healthy in spite of how crazy our lifestyle is. Um, They've got a great offer in place. If you head to athleticgreens.com backslash Cressy, They'll get you 20 free travel packets with your purchase. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash Cressy, C-R-E-S-S-E-Y, and you can claim your special offer. Today's guest was a standout shortstop in the Orlando area in high school and was drafted by the Rangers in the 39th round of the 2008 MLB draft. He opted instead to attend Clemson and went on to win the Brooks Wallace Award as the top shortstop in college baseball during his junior year in 2011. That year, he led the ACC in batting average and on-base percentage and was named a first-team All-American and ACC Player of the Year. He was drafted by the Mariners with the 62nd overall pick of the 2011 draft, and shortly thereafter, he made his Major League debut in 2013. In the six years since, he's also played a number of other positions on the field for the Rays, Brewers, Indians, Yankees, and Phillies organizations. This September, he became the first Phillies player with three multi-home run games in a nine-game span in team history. Playing for the Phillies in 2019, he batted 263 with 12 home runs and 21 RBIs in 118 at-bats. Please welcome to the show, Brad Miller. Welcome to the show, Brad. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. No worries at all. I am really excited to have you because... You, you, I think, take the cake as like the friendliest guy in all of professional <laughs> baseball. So this is going to be, at the very least, it's going to be the most cordial episode in the history of this podcast. Oh, wow. I, uh, well, I got to work on that. I got to be a little bit more of a, of a jerk at, at times. So I got tossed. Hey, I got tossed like in the last season of the uh, last week of the season. So, right. I mean, that's got to help my street cred a little bit. I'm happy to hear that you started the offseason on an incredibly negative note relative to your persona. That <laughs> are in a good place. Um, yep. So folks have heard your bio, but I, I think... It's always intriguing because I, I know you a little bit physically and as an athlete, but I didn't know you back in the day. So you were drafted out of high school. You were, you were an Orlando guy where basically it seems like every elite hitter in the country for a while uh, <laughs> came out of. Um, and you were drafted out of high school, but you turned it down to attend Clemson. So can you speak a little bit to that decision? How, how hard was it? Um, you know, were you a guy that legitimately had an aspiration of playing baseball at that moment if the money had been right? What, what factors influenced your, your decision to go to Clemson? Yeah, I think um... – you know, I think to answer your question, no, I, I didn't have a, a real choice. I would say, you know, I, I definitely was involved, um, you know, in all the pre-draft circuits and stuff like that, and um, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, I got you know a ton of experience just 
you know, hitting in front of scouts and being around scouts and, you know, just kind of learning how to handle with like some, some eyes on you. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it, it was, it was awesome just to get picked. I think I got picked in like the 39th round by the Rangers and I was fired up just for that. And even, even the scout who drafted me told me, he was like, Hey man, you know, we really wanted to pick you, you know, you're going to have a great time at, at college and, you know, hopefully, um, you know, we'll have another chance in three years or whatever. So, um, I definitely was not physically ready and, and definitely not mentally either um, for professional baseball, but still, you know, pretty, pretty exciting just to see your name get called and kind of, you know, take that into college, I guess, you know, a little confidence boost into college. What, what do you think the specific competencies were that you were lacking in high school? I mean, like, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're obviously an athletic shortstop, like swung out of your shoes, things like that. But what mm-hmm. are the things that you feel like you needed to learn before, that, that you wound up, you know, picking up on when you got to college? Yeah, I think the biggest thing um, was just physicality. I mean, like, I just wasn't physically prepared, um, you know, because I think even out of Clemson at 21, that was the number one thing after I got, you know, a little taste of, of low A and instructs, I was like, Hey, I need to get stronger. Um, so I was always, I felt like, you know, um, luckily growing up in Orlando, hyper competitive on the travel ball circuit and in high school, I felt like I had a little leg up just like experience wise, like getting exposed to some top competition. Um, so maybe my transition at Clemson was a little smoother, um, but I think, you know, I needed to improve strength, um, you know, uh, speed, everything really. And, you know, I think over the three years at Clemson, it just kind of naturally came. And then, you know, I think dealing with pressure and failure and all that stuff, uh, you know, at, at the college level definitely prepares you, um, for, uh, for pro ball. I mean, one of the things I'm, I'm curious about was, you always hear about guys like SEC and ACC in particular talking mm-hmm. about how sometimes professional baseball is easy compared to what they what they experience at that level. In fact, mm-hmm. you know sometimes the especially for position players, they feel like the the pitching that they face is almost a step back because guys aren't around the zone as much. If you know you go from playing yeah. you know College World Series to going to to low A where you might be facing you know eighteen or nineteen year old kids who are throwing a hundred to the backstop, was that mm-hmm. an experience you had, or what do you think? Yeah, I always, I remember the thing I always heard was, you know, good ACC baseball and SEC baseball is comparable to like high A. Like I'd always heard that and I don't know who said it or, but it was just that. And my experience, I felt like there were definitely some players in the ACC and SEC, like the top of the, of those conferences that immediately could step right into high A and even like, double A, like Danny Holson from Virginia, like who is the top pick or any of those big pitchers could have pitched the next day. We faced Chris Sale. Um, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know, like like uh, a month later after the season, he's in AAA. Like there were definitely some players that were at that level just seamlessly. Um, but I think just top to bottom, like you get to those high A teams and that's a whole team that, you know, I looked around. It was a lot of our college's best players. So I think definitely the depth wasn't there. But, yeah, like on any given day in the ACC or SEC, you could see a player or a position uh, a position player or a pitcher that, you know, would fit right in with those teams, but definitely not the, the entire team. I think people forget uh, how good the 2011 draft was. Um, mm-hmm. I remember we, we were in – I was in Massachusetts at the time, and we had a, mm-hmm. quite a few prospects there. Tyler Beatty went 21st overall, and mm-hmm. there were a bunch of other names. And I remember them saying it was the best draft since 1986. So that was oh, wow. that was Garrett Cole. That was Trevor Bauer. Oh, yeah. That was Lindor. That yeah. was Baez. Yep. Springer. Yep. It was it was incredible. And you look back on it, and, and I, I bet three-quarters of the first round is in the big leagues right now when all is said and done. Um, yeah. But I'm curious, what made you, you – know, so you were drafted in 2011. What made you – a big leaguer so quick because you were there in 13 it was a and, and you weren't like a september call-up you were up mid-season mm-hmm. what do you think got you to the show and effectively you know less than two full seasons um i think you know honestly i, I was really fortunate that yeah you know obviously we can't really control who takes us but jumping into the seattle mariners you know system in 2011 it was a team that wanted to get you know, all of their young guys, if they performed, like if you showed, hey, like I can dominate this level, they were not scared to push you. Um, so it was a really, it was a perfect time for, you know, a college 
performer to get right into the system. And it was a lot of fun. Like we had a lot of guys that were, you know, you saw your teammates. Hey, he hit 330. Oh, he got called up. Um, so you like saw that, like you saw them moving guys aggressively. And that's kind of what happened. Like I felt like, you know, I, I, my first full season, I, I was in high A and then got moved up to double A. And I started seeing guys like, you know, relievers on our double A team, like two days later, they're in the big leagues. And it's like, what? Like, this is really close. And then I remember out of spring training, um, the next year of 13, it was my first big league camp. And I like, I was there the whole time and I was just playing hard, like doing my thing. And I like almost made the team and they told me I was going to double A and I was kind of like, was kind of, you know, pissed off a little bit. I was like, you know, I didn't want to repeat, you know, because I had just been at that level. So I took it as like a, you know, and they just told me, they're like, hey, go back and dominate. And you never know what happens. And, you know, got off to a good start, went to Tacoma and just kind of, you know, kept the momentum going. And um, but like I said, you know, there was Mike Zanino. There was myself. Um, there was, you know, even Ackley before me and Seeger before me. And that was just kind of the Mariners thing at the time. Like they weren't afraid to take college dudes and push them. So um, it was a ton of fun. And uh, I definitely felt ready, you know, like you never, you know, it's always going to be hard, but I definitely, you know, felt prepared and ready for, for that. And some, some things you just got to learn in the big leagues anyway. Absolutely. I'm, I'm curious about, you know, like the, ver- the defensive versatility, you know, I think mm-hmm. in the past, like there was a perception in baseball, maybe like, eight to 10 years ago where it's like the worst thing you could be is a utility player. Cause it, it sounded mm-hmm. like you didn't have a position that you played well. Um, obviously mm-hmm. you came out, I think you were the, the top college shortstop was an award you won your last year at Clemson. And, but since you've gotten to pro ball, you played second, you played third, you played first, you've gone to the outfield. Um, mm-hmm. you know, have you seen the shift in baseball take place? You know, is it, is this like a Ben Zobrist opened the, the floodgates for this? And now all of a sudden people realize that when you have somebody like you or Ryan Flaherty or something like that who can play so many different positions, it gives you a lot of roster flexibility. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is like the industry is just so, um, you know, they think they don't think as inflexible as before. Like mm-hmm. they go, okay, hey, we have this bat or we have this whatever that we want to make work. And instead of maybe in the past where they're like, oh, but he's a third baseman, like we need a second baseman, it won't work. They go, no, wait a second, like it will work, you know, let's just move him there, like he can handle it. So I think it's definitely like the industry's not afraid to, you know, be flexible. And I think also it was something that when I first got moved in Seattle, I was not, you know, I, I took it as like a slight. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was something I fought out there. I went out and like every day I still you know, work my butt off. Like I still, you know, when they moved me to the outfield, I was like taking more balls and running all over the place. And, you know, I was just diving everywhere and it was a lot of fun, but like, I kind of had, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder and I kind of like, you know, didn't, um, you know, I took it the wrong way. And I think that's something that over the years I've matured. And, you know, I think defense is one of those things where if you don't embrace what you're doing, then it's definitely going to affect your performance. So now I feel great about it. You know, now I'm, I do see the value in it and it is fun for me. I love playing all over the place and I think I've seen my performance also, um, get better and all that just cause, you know, I'm fully bought in. I'm embracing, um, kind of being that guy that can move all around and, and, uh, you know, not have it affect him. What was the hardest position to pick up? I mean, obviously shortstop is be athletic. You know, the game's kind of always in front of you. For sure. What, what was the biggest change? Was it outfield? Was it first? You know, what, what was the, the, the biggest adjustment? I think it's, it's a great question. I think like it's, it's kind of, it might seem backwards to some people. And I think they all go, Oh, you played shortstop. We'll just throw you over at first. Mm-hmm. But I've played shortstop my whole life. You know, like that's something to me where people ask me, Oh, what's your, What's the easiest position for you? Personally, it's shortstop just because of the comfort level and the amount of reps, you know, at short and at second. And third is even like close to, to shortstop, you know, according to the, to the angles, you know, but the hardest one for me was definitely first. Like obviously the, the easy parts is, Hey, yes, catch the ball. Um, you know, just catch the ball and flip it to the pitcher. But like, there's a couple split decisions that like, especially how aggressively they play the first baseman off. Um, cause that's what they told me in Tampa. They're like, Hey, like, we're going to use your athleticism to our advantage. Like, we're going to be able to play you farther from the bag in this spot. 
And there's some decisions like the ball will be hit right off your right foot and you might have to break to the left and like leave the ball because you have the base. Um, And when the ball would go to the outfield, I would find myself like drifting to where a shortstop would go. So I call them like action balls. Like when the ball was kind of hit into the field, that definitely took some time to get used to um, and to know where to go just because I'm used to kind of being in the middle. But, um, you know, they're all, they all have their little quirks and, and challenges. But uh, I think keeping it as simple as possible and just getting your work in and, and uh, you know, it, it'll go all right. Did you find that, you know, in the, the limited outfield stuff that you've had to do, um, I know Sam uh, Fold, who mm-hmm. is a good buddy of yours, and you spent some time in Philly yeah. together this year. Like, he talked a lot about there's no salute, there's no better substitute than just going out during BP and shagging a ton in the outfield. Was that something that you, you did, or did, did playing outfield actually come more naturally with you? And, and reading the ball off the bat's a lot different than playing short, right? Yeah, no, 100%. I think, um, yeah, it is. It's just, you know, and, and that's why the guys that have done it their whole life, you know, I think about Kiermaier, like he has this innate just ability that like when the ball goes up, he can already compute in his mind probably where it's going to land. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like golfers, you know, when they see the ball flight so much or even us as hitters, like we hit a ball, it's like, okay, like I kind of know where that ball is going to go based on how it fell, you know, this and that. So yeah, I remember in Seattle, just like Andy Vince, like, um, who, you know, pretty damn good outfielder, um, in his own right, uh, back in, back in the day with the Cardinals and the Pirates, um, got a handful of gold gloves and, and he would just, he was a machine. I mean, he would just hit, um, he would just hit balls like crazy. And he instilled a lot of confidence in me, you know, telling me, Hey, like, you know, this actually looks pretty good. Like, let's work on these things. And, and he was a good kind of, that was my intro to outfield was 2000, um, 2015 in Seattle. The first time in my life I'd played it. So, um, <laughs> and then in Tampa, I begged them one time. I begged Rocco Baldelli, um, to let me play outfield in Tampa one time that lasted a game. And he felt bad. He was like, dude, like I shouldn't have done that, you know, without any practice, but that's a different um, place to play outfield too. You got to, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's just reps, you know, you, you really, you know, have to use all the time in BP and in early work to just kind of, you know, be efficient with your work, you know, because I got to play a bunch of different spots, but just be efficient and, you know, get good quality work in. Yeah. I mean, are you actually out there? I mean, obviously you're carrying a million different gloves in your, in your bag, but mm-hmm. are you out there working at each position every day or do you kind of just pick one horse and ride it for the day and, you know, let it count for enough? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is, you know, kind of based on the lineup, you know, if, if you know, that day I'm playing third base, then like I- I'm probably just going to play third. And really just kind of hone in on that in early work. And then, yeah, if the legs are feeling a little froggy, um, you know, and I'm hitting in the second group or something, I'll go out there and, and, uh, take some reads because that is a cool thing about it. And especially playing in the national league, like, you know, I might start the game at third, but like, you know, never know what happens in the game, game yeah. situations and, and you can move around a little bit. So I think I just try to keep like a little mental log of like, okay, hey, you know, I haven't, um, I haven't been out in the outfield in a couple of days. Like I better run around out there. Um, I better do some early work and just kind of get some crisp work and, and feel really confident in it. And then, you know, just kind of based on the team scenario, like this year with the Phillies, I got forced into action a lot at third base. And then our left fielder, Corey Dickerson ended up going down and Jay Bruce ended up going down the last 10 days of the season. And it was all left field. So then it was kind of like, all right, you know, it was, that was my, my, number one position to kind of to to work at and, and get prepared for so um yeah i think you just got to be like water and just find your time and and you know really try to uh you know hit and cover all your bases and um you know where it is a badge of honor you know being able to to do all that at a, at a drop of a hat absolutely do you think as you look back on it like do you think part of this is possible because you did play shortstop for so long like you don't see a whole lot of guys that played you know outfield that become infielders mm-hmm. you know in a utility role usually your shortstop's the most athletic kid on the field you know it's the most arm speed in many cases that isn't on the mound and there's mm-hmm. just there's a higher level of athleticism and versatility and what they have to encounter from day to day do you think that made it easier longer term yeah i think thinking about like all the positions like the one position that kind of has it all um is shortstop you know like the, those i used to love like growing up i remember my dad would be hitting me ground balls and like we'd always end with um, 
like bloopers over my head, you know? So like there's, there's times where you have to go back on the ball and catch fly balls. There's times, you know, obviously moving to your left, moving to your right. You have to charge the ball like a third baseman, you know, and kind of on the run, throw it. So I definitely think shortstop kind of gives you, you know, all those aspects. Um, and then, you know, you kind of, but, but, but there's also like, obviously every time you move to a new position, there's like very specific, um, movements to just that position. But I definitely think shortstop kind of gives you a little bit of everything for sure. That's good stuff. Now we're going to, we're going to shift gears a little bit. You've played for seven different organizations over the years. Uh, obviously yeah. it was, uh, it was technically four this year. Um, I'm spring. obviously not that nice if I'm playing for that many organizations. <laughs> Come on now, right? give yourself some credit. <laughs> you, just, you want to see the world, right? Um, no, that's right. So tell me something that you liked about each organization. So Mariners first, what stands out as you yep. like something that benefited you while you were there? Oh, wow. Um, well, just from like the city standpoint, like Seattle's amazing. Like that, you know, I, I don't think I realized like how good I had it. Like showing up every day, going to work at Safeco Field, like beautiful stadium. Seattle in the summer is perfect. Um, but like a lot of my first memories of the big leagues, you know, kind of like a foundation, you know, playing with guys like Raul Abanez and Willie Bloomquist and Kyle Seeger. Um, you know, playing behind Felix Hernandez and up the middle with Cano, like those are some crazy memories. And like going through 2014, my first full year in the big leagues where I was terrible and like coming out on the other side of it and being like, okay, like, no, I belong. Like I'm a big league player. Like if I can be that bad and then finish the season strong, like then I'm going to be okay. Um, so I think that's kind of where I like obviously learned, I guess, you know, the, the basics of major league baseball, you know, and all the, I remember my mom, like my first road trip, my mom was like, Oh, who's your roommate? And I'm like, mom, it's the show. Like I don't have a roommate. I got my own room, like little stuff like that. Um, just great memories from Seattle, great memories. And, uh, I mean, Edgar Martinez was our hitting coach one year, a hall of famer. Like he was awesome. Like I, I remember I would just try to hit balls like over the moon in batting practice and, he would just smile at me and be like, Hey Brad, um, can you please just try to hit like some line drives the other way? <laughs> and then like, and then you can hit in the fourth deck, like, but please like just for me. And it was just like how he, you know, instead of yelling at me or like, you know, trashing me, he was just like smiling. He's like, Hey Brad, like, let's just do something productive here. Nice. Um, so yeah, that was definitely, I guess a little, Seattle time capsule there. Um, and then in, in November of 15, I'm yep. not sure if you even know this fun fact, you're part of the largest Cressy sports performance trade in history. <laughs> so yeah, you, who, me, you, me, Lomo, you and Lomo. And then CJ Riefenhauser yeah, was one of our yep. guys who was actually at the facility that day when he found out about wow. it. Wow. Yeah. So that was a big CSP trade, but what did, uh, Crazy. what did, what did Tampa, uh, treat, treat you? Or what did you learn there? Yeah. I think Tampa, the, the coolest thing was like, you know, uh, a little snippet, like when I got traded, uh, Jerry DePoto, I was his first trade. Um, and he's made like a million with the Mariners. Mm -hmm. Um, and he told me, he was like, Brad, he's like, you know, a lot of players don't get to hear this, but you know, they really have been, they've been trying to get you for years because he had just got the job with Seattle. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a new GM. And so he told me, he was like, Hey, you're going to love it in Tampa. He's like, they really have, have wanted you for years. So like, you know, go have fun. And then I got a call from Jack Zarenzik, who was my first GM with Seattle. And he told me the same thing. He was like, hey, you know, I know guys don't get to, you know, kind of know this or whatever a lot of the times. But, like, they really like you. And, you know, they're going to be – it's going to be great for your career, this and that. And I was kind of like, whoa, that was cool. And that, I guess, is the one thing I take from Tampa is, like, they ran me out there every day. Like, I got 600-plus at-bats. Um played with still some of my best friends in the game. Like it was so much fun. Um, I know I definitely think we, you know, we underperformed as a team because we had a ton of talent and they obviously have gone on to, they have so much talent in that organization, but you know, they ran me out there every day. And like, I remember cash telling me, Hey, like swing the bat. Like we don't care if the guy before you, you know, swung at the first pitch, like go up there and do damage. Like, you know, they, they, they took the training wheels off and, you know, cause sometimes in Seattle, I was always looking over my shoulder, you know, as kind of a younger player, like, can I swing? Can I not? And I got to Tampa and like, everybody's young. Like, you know, yeah. I had two and a half years in the big leagues and that was like, kind of like middle of the pack with Tampa. So, 
they kind of allowed me to, to definitely grow up and, you know, 600 at bats a year is a beautiful thing. So, um, I, I loved it. I loved it and made some great friends and hit, then hit, it got hit 30 then, tanks then, too. So it worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love, I, I do love some homers. Um, but yeah, like it was part of that though. Cause like in April I was terrible. Like I hit 150 in April with one homer and like I, I was with a new team. I wanted to show them and then like they stuck with me and by June, I just got like white hot, made some changes, learned how to use my legs more, my body. And I just started seeing the ball like fly off my bat like I never had before. So, um, you know, if they kind of, you know, bench me or get rid of me, then I would never would have, you know, been able to kind of work through some things and, and figure out how to how to drive the ball a little bit. So. And then that was fun. So uh, years later, you uh, you wind up with the Brewers. Yep. Um, yep. What do you got on the Brewers? Shorter, yeah, I shorter was, stint. It was a little shorter stint, yeah. so not going to be as much. Um, I can talk though, but <laughs> um, yeah, I loved it. I mean, you could tell that that team was going to you know be in the playoffs and do special things, and they ended up you know losing Game Seven to the Dodgers. And I was, I mean, I was cheering for them like crazy just because I loved those guys. And came in mid season, they embraced me right away. Like I was batting lead off, playing short again. Like it was a lot of fun, but like my, my leg was just killing me. My hip was killing me, but I loved Craig Council. Like playing for him was incredible. He was, you know, he treated me the same regardless if I was bat, uh, batting lead off, playing short, or if I wasn't playing, or if I, you know, had three hits the day before, if I didn't, he always was helping me. Pat Murphy was always, you know, in my ear, just talking trash like he does best. <laughs> Um, he's out of control, but I love that guy. Like guys would take bullets for him. Um, so it was quick and I was sad that, you know, I wasn't able to see it, um, you know, through cause I've never played in the playoffs, but then again, like personally, like I needed to take care of my hips so it ended yeah. up working out for the, for the best. Absolutely. We're going to come back to the hip, but you saw, so you saw yep. Dodgers, Indians, Yankees, and Phillies this year. So you yep. spring, spring training with the Dodgers, you can go quick hitter on this cause it was a little bit of a whirlwind of a year, but yeah, you got plenty of time in. So, uh, what was what was the the synopsis of twenty nineteen? Yeah, I mean, overall, I, I it was awesome, you know. And I think being with four different organizations, I got to meet a lot of different people, and um, you know, take from each. You know, coming back from from injury and and just getting through a season. Like, I met a lot of really good people that helped me a ton. Um, spring training with the Dodgers was awesome. Um, incredible setup they got there going there obviously you know when you win that much they're obviously doing something right like it's probably been it has been the most sustainable you know winning culture in the last seven eight years um it's been pretty incredible so i felt right at home with the dodgers training staff was elite um strength staff was elite yeah great people i'm the last guy in camp you know i signed like march 1st and they treated me you know like how they treat everybody, you know, like one of the guys. So they really got my feet under me. Dave Roberts was great to me. Um, you know, he was the one, he was like, Hey, like, I, I really think, I know you've never had to play third cause you've played with Evan Longoria and Kyle Seeger who play every inning of every game. But, you know, I think like based on your body and your arm, like, I think this could be a really good spot for you. Um, and he was awesome. They let me get out there and play. I played a ton. I got my legs under me. And, you know, it didn't work out with them, um, but, and I ended up, you know, shifting to Cleveland, but like I left that organization, like the guys in Philly were probably tired of me talking about the Dodgers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it, it was just first class. So, um, love that. Then I went to Cleveland for like 20 days, getting to play for, you know, Hall of Famer Tito, uh, Brad Mills, who has a great name, one of the best names in baseball, um, <laughs> You know, those guys, it was awesome. Every game was 30 degrees, you know, so you love just getting some, perfect some for, 30 degree weather. Perfect yeah. for an Orlando guy, right? Yeah, exactly. No. So, uh, it was fun, you know, and I loved, I loved kind of, you know, getting to meet some new guys and, uh, picking Trevor Browers Bain, who I played together, uh, with him in, in college on Team USA one year, but like his process at the field is crazy and, and one of the, one of the coolest things I've ever seen, just how disciplined he is. And like, he's a scientist, you know, basically. Um, so I love Cleveland. Um, it was quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, and I got, I got booed when I went back. That was cool. Oh, come on. Um, I did. Yeah. I hit some tanks off him though. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was sweet. Um, yeah. Yankees was awesome. Obviously I was in Scranton for about five or six weeks. Um, got a lot of good work in hitting wise with Phil Plantier 
um, and uh, and Pat Rossler, um, aka Six. Um, so met you know those guys. Obviously, AAA was not where I wanted to be. You know, I, I wanted to be in the big leagues and, and felt like that's where I should have been. But man, we made the most out of it. We had a ton of homers. Our team was loaded. Um, you know, we got in a brawl with Syracuse. That was fun. <laughs> um, but, uh, just like a great group of guys, yeah. like great group of guys. And to see, you know, Mike Ford and, uh, Talkman, the sock man go up to New York and kill it. And Ryan McBroom get traded and make his debut, uh, for Kansas City. And obviously Lomo ended up with me. Um, it, it was just, it was awesome. Like great guys, like took it back to like summer ball where it's like, we're just playing, like who cares about, all the stuff we can't control. Like we just went out there and played hard and, and had fun while we, while we were doing it. Um, and then obviously, uh, got to spend the last like three and a half months with Philadelphia, which was, um, which was incredible. Um, you know, fight my way, getting back to the big leagues. Um, and put up a great, and put up great numbers too. It was, it was a really good yeah. six, 66 games, 941 OPS. There was a lot of good things happening. Yeah, it was, it was fun. And, uh, you know, I really just kind of, I felt like finally, like a lot of the things I've learned throughout that year and just going through some stuff the last couple years, like you just want to be able to put together the stuff you've learned. And I felt like with Philly from like a baseball performance standpoint, like, I, I did that, you know, I was starting as, you know, coming off the bench, a bat off the bench. And that was fun. You know, that was something I embraced. Hey, I'm ready to do this. And then I know baseball, it's crazy. Like guys got hurt, things change. And I got, you know, thrust into a bigger role. And obviously that's what every player wants. And that was something like talking with Sean Rodriguez a lot, you know, a guy who's been doing it for over 10 years and he's a competitor and, you know, in his career, he hasn't had many opportunities to get 600 at-bats a year. And I always ask him, I'm like, you know, is the right attitude to just embrace the, you know, the, the smaller role? And he was like, no. He was like, I always, in my head, know and think that I should be playing every single inning. And, you know, I always have that competitive fire. I just, you know, am a professional and I do whatever I have to do to help the team. And then, you know, when I got thrust into that role, I felt like because I was always, you know, I was still staying sharp. I still thought I should be out there and I wanted to prove something. You know, I finished really strong at the end of the year and ended up, you know, putting up some of the best numbers of, of my career by far as far as the, uh, you know, as far as all that stats and whatever and whatnot. So it was uh, it was a great experience. I love those guys in Philly great dudes. Like, you know, I felt like even when I wasn't playing well, I felt like, you know, I was contributing to the team, just kind of being there for my guys. And, you know, we had a great crew. So I, I loved it. It was, it was a, I look back, it's going to be one of my favorite years, I think. And it's funny. It's like a, I think there are so many people that would be resentful of being in four different organizations in the same year. And I, I think when we see guys like that, who actually wind up thriving, like I, I think about Oliver Drake, you know, Oliver got yep. played, played for five yep. different teams in the big leagues last year. And Oliver's just that guy who's always going to be upbeat and positive. It's kind of like be where your feet yeah. are at, you know, like take it for day sure. by day, stay positive, be a good teammate. And these, for sure. these things have a way of working out. But for you, know, sure. you, you also, what, what I, think, I think is actually interesting is you, you talked about how things really started to click in, in Philadelphia late in the year. And I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that that's kind of the one year mark on your hip surgery. So I wanted to, to talk a little bit about your experience with that because I, I, I look back and, you know, we got to know each other a little bit as you were, you know, kind of coming off of your, uh, your, your micro fracture and you had stopped, uh, you know, being non weight bearing and, you know, we, we took the baton a little mm -hmm. bit there, but talk a little about kind of how the, the symptoms came about over the years, the timeline. Cause I, I think there are a lot of people who have cranky hips and, and may benefit from hearing this if they are going down the surgical route. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, and I think throughout the process, the best, um, you know, the best thing that's helped me is like talking to teammates and, and even guys I didn't know in the game, but guys that had had surgery uh, like this and just kind of picking their brain, you know, if they had it a couple years before me. So that's always been a huge help. And I actually was just on the phone last week with Chad Bettis, a guy who's just going through that surgery again. So just trying to pay it forward. But um, the uh, yeah, so I think I've always been, you know, super like hyper like play every day like just go all day long until um I guess in the off season um the off season before I got to Tampa just uh 
you know, I think just kind of tweaked like a, you know, I guess groin adductor, just at lower abs, like just kind of tweaked it and, um, ended up, um, you know, being fine by spring training and played through the year. And then in 17 was kind of the first time it, it reared its head. So just running down, uh, beating out a ground ball, uh, infield single off Andrew Miller. So you have to get down the line. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, just, just pulled kind of that whole, uh, my left side. And, you know, me, I'd never been on the deal before. Um, you know, I'm stubborn and, you know, I, I was coming off of, you know, hitting 30 home runs and I'm starting to, you know, have a bigger, you know, role on the team. So like, yeah, I felt like I needed to get back out there for the boys and, and, you know, for myself. So, uh, came back from that and like literally in the minimum 10 days and, um, you know, played a game. We were up in Seattle, actually played a game and I was terrible. And at the end of it, like we're flying back on the plane and my hip joint on my right side, on the other side, um, felt like I had like a shotgun going off in it. I mean, it was terrible. And so we get back into Tampa the next day and same thing in the morning when I woke up. So I told him, I'm like, Hey, like this is something I've never felt before. It's like in there. And, um, yeah, so ended up just kind of grinding through that year in 17, um, getting some, getting a cortisone shot, you know, missing six weeks. Um, and then when I came back, like my legs just felt like jelly and, but I was playing, you know, I played, actually played pretty good defense, but I could like, I, I had no strength, couldn't, couldn't drive the ball. And at the end of the season, we were like, Hey, we probably need to go get this checked out. Like, you know, just so it doesn't linger. So I went up to Philadelphia, um, Dr. Myers mm -hmm. And, um, he did an MRI and was basically like, yeah, like you're torn up. Like basically two, two out of the three of my adductors on both sides were like fraying and torn off the attachments, like where it attaches. And same with my rectus abdominis on the one side. So he basically went in and he was like, oh, and you have uh, hip labrum damage. Yeah. So basically you, like, you were like a, a, like a tent that was missing a few stakes. That's the way I describe sure. it. There was yep. no, no stability in multiple directions. Exactly. So I learned the hard way how important those surrounding muscles are to protect that joint. Um, so basically, I, you know, I dealt with like two years of, you know, two separate surgeries and two years of just kind of, you know, not having my legs where they need to be. And it was all from the same thing. Um, you know, so first I took care of all the musculature and that core muscle surgery, they call it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, everything felt intact and ready to go for spring. Obviously, you know, getting your kind of insides torn up, you know, it wasn't really firing and, and where it needed to be. So the hip thing kind of reared its head again. Um, but like I said, you know, I, I, you know, was stubborn or whatever and I went out and it was spring training. So I went out to, um, you know, kind of get through the year and actually in 18, um, you know, was able to put up some good numbers with Tampa and they traded me to Milwaukee and got off to a good start there. But then it just, you know, by August, uh, by end of July, it just gave out on me. You know, I just felt like I had nothing under me. Um, so when Milwaukee released me or DFA'd me and I elected free agency, um, I was like, hey, like I told my agent, I'm like, you know, I need to get this fixed. Like even if I went and played for a team, um, you know, I wouldn't be the guy that they want. You know, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be a guy that can help them like but you know, next year in 2019 or whatever, I need to be ready to help somebody. So I went to Dr. Bird in Nashville and he checked out my hip and he was like, oh yeah. He's like, there's definitely some damage in there. We're going to get to the bottom of it and fix it and could not have been any happier. Um, I don't know how I made that decision. Like, honestly, it was obviously it was something on my mind from the beginning of that year, but I look back on it and I'm just so happy that I got it done when I got it done and put it behind me and, you know, learned a lot, learned a lot along the way. So yeah, those are really common, uh, concurrent pathologies, right? So you see the, the sports hernia repair, which is a, in many cases, a very quick return to action. You'll see guys mm -hmm. that you know, are back competitively in, you know, as little as two months in many cases. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then you, when you actually have the femoral acetabular impingement where they'll, you know, shave down the bony blocks, they'll, they'll obviously clean yep. up the labrum and repair it. You also had a micro fracture. So you had a, a cartilage defect as part of that. So, um, talk a little bit about your, your, your specific timeline. So after you had your, your surgery, what, what were you looking at? Yeah. So I basically, they, they, the doctor told me when we go in and, and assess the amount of damage, it'll be one of three things. Either we just clean out all the crap 
and your labrum, you know, is salvageable and it's, and it's fine and we don't have to put anchors in. And that's, he goes, that happens about, you know, five, 10% of the time. That's low likelihood. And then what happens the majority of the time is we go in, we clean out the crap and we anchor down the labrum. Um, and then, so that happens the majority of the time. And then another small chance is we do all that stuff. Plus we see cartilage damage that, you know, we're going to do the microfracture. And if that happens, then it's going to be eight weeks non-weight bearing compared to like four for the other stuff. So, um, yeah, he, he got in there and he gave me the works, you know, and, <laughs> and the way he kind of described it was, Hey, you know, yeah, it's an extra four weeks non-weight bearing, but this is going to help you, you know, for the rest of your life. So, um, so we ended up doing all three and exactly. So eight, eight weeks I was on crutches. Um, and then, you know, they kind of say, you know, five to seven months ish, just depending on, on the person, I guess, as far as like return to competitive action. And I had Nick Ahmed, um, one of my favorite shortstops, uh, for the Diamondbacks. He actually had the surgery two years prior on the same exact day. Wow. So I was like annoying the crap out of him <laughs> and I don't know him at all, but I was yeah. like, Hey, I looked it up. Cause I was like, I know Nick Ahmed had this and it was on the same day. And I go, okay, I got to reach out to this dude. And you know, he was kind of, he gave me like a, uh, a very vague timeline of like, okay, I started, you know, the running progression middle of December and I started throwing in December and then I started hitting a little too early in the middle of December. So I would just wait till January, you know, little stuff like that. So, um, that's basically what I did, you know, by the, by new year's, um, by new year's, I was cleared to start swinging. I had already been throwing a little bit. I had completed my running progression. Um, you know, obviously not, you know, I wouldn't say I, I wasn't ready to jump into a spring training game. I really wasn't ready until I got to camp with the Dodgers in March. Um, you know, middle of March, I was like playing in these games and felt comfortable enough to hit and, you know, run out the box and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, it's just, you know, the, the stamina, the, the different stuff like that. And, uh, even, you know, starting the year in Cleveland, every game in 30 degrees, you know, dealing with that, it's pretty much just constant, like soft tissue work, um, making sure all the cranky muscles around that hip were just, you know, kind of letting go and, and in shape. So, yeah. Um, I'm trying yeah. to think, didn't you, uh, and, and refresh me if I'm, my memory is incorrect, but, um, didn't you, you know, come out of it a little bit lighter? Didn't you intentionally lower your weight oh, just yeah. a little bit? Oh, that yeah. was a big part of it. Where, where, did, where, where was your playing weight before and where is it now? Yeah. So, uh, in, I kind of got back to where I was in Seattle, you know, and, and it felt like a much easier weight for me to carry. But as I mentioned earlier, like I always was, was, you know, one of the weakest guys on the field and I always felt I need to gain strength. Well, you know, once I got traded to Tampa, I felt like I was carrying too much, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's nothing people would notice. You know, I was just thicker. Like for the first time in my life, I actually had, you know, I was, you know, fairly, I guess, strong, like in the weight room or whatever. Um, but for me, just learning through trial and error, I was up to like 215, 217, mm -hmm. and I would show up to spring and immediately drop down to 205. <laughs> and it was like, okay, so this is probably like where I need to be. It's a more natural wait for me to carry. So yeah, you know, from an 18, just from not being able to do anything, like I was in pure survival mode, just, Hey, I need to play the game. Mm -hmm. I was already kind of going in a little lighter, but yeah, the second, you know, I had surgery and I really tried to clean up my eating just to, to really help with the inflammation and do anything to, to speed up the process. I probably rehabbed at like 190, mm -hmm. and then, um, you know, this year was able to build it back, you know, in a much better sense, um, back closer to 200. So, um, I think just trial and error with all that, I definitely saw like going through it with Logan Morrison. Um, he's just a bigger guy than I am. Um, you know, he knows I can obviously handle him in any sort of physical brawl because <laughs> we've done it multiple times. He's just, you know, I think it might just be a mental thing. Um, but, but yeah, like he was having just a little bit more, you know, I guess feelings in the hip as we went through the process, just because he had, you know, 50 pounds on me. Um, so I definitely think going forward, you know, I look at the players that are playing into their mid and late thirties and it's guys that are lean and that can move and that can, you know, remain, um, you know, with a nice weight on their joints and kind of taking it, um, 
you know, taking some of the pressure off it. So I feel great right now. I'm like 196. Um, and I think that, you know, from 196 to 200 for me is going to be a spot where I can move and my joints will, you know, definitely reap the benefits. And you mentioned talking to C-Sheck was, was one of the things he said was it's going to be a year, right? About a year is yep. when it's going to feel, was for that, sure. was that pretty consistent with your experience? Like, is that the, the, the landmark that you, you found was the case? For sure. And another guy, Shishek, who, you know, helped a ton, but he's a big dude, you know, he's six foot five and, you know, he's got, he's way bigger than me. So, um, you know, yeah, he said, Hey, like if you get this done, like it was like a full year, like, yeah, I was pitching, but like, I think he was out in Seattle. Um, and he was like, I wasn't, you know, as good. The guy's got like a career, you know, two, five ERA. Um, but yeah, hundred percent. So once I got to August with the Phillies and it kind of coincided with me getting to play more, um, I was like, okay, this is starting to feel like, you know, like I'm past the rehab stage and like I'm into the stage where like, you know, I can build off this for the rest of my career. That's great. I mean, and, and there's mm-hmm. somebody said about learning from the process. So you, you mm-hmm. talked about being lighter as you got older, but what, what are the recommendations that you offer to any athlete that that's going through a, a hip repair like you did? Yeah, I think, um, shoot, I think the biggest thing would be like, just try to be like a student of your body, I guess. Like, unfortunately, like through all this, through these surgeries and in this process, like I found like I'm really interested in the body and, you know, because I love baseball, like I love playing baseball. And for me, (laughs) you know, to play baseball, I have to take care of my body. So, um, I think, yeah, just try to be in tune with it, um, you know, try to understand what's something that, hey, this is, you know, really serious. I need to pump the brakes and, and ask and, and get it checked out. Or, hey, let me try to, you know, do some soft tissue, you know, by myself or do some some daily mobe work and see kind of what works. I, I would just say, like, try to be a master, you know, of your body and, and know it better than anybody else. I think the feedback of talking to other guys is, is really important as well. Like getting out For there sure. and not that mad is a, is a Yukon guy. You can always trust a Yukon guy. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the, right. Yeah. That's a person. Although, although did you guys face each other in 2011? Uh, in the uh, yeah. That's my last college game. So first of all, that wow. team being a three seed at our regional. Yeah. That I was, mean, come on. It's had, Springer like, and Ahmed. Scott Oberg. And, Yep, and Matt Barnes and yep. Mazzilli, like and Andrioli, yeah, they were it's, it's loaded. Six big leaguers, you're right, but um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to rub that in. That's my bad. Um, yeah. All right, so you've survived the the long questions. Now we got the lightning round. I know you've listened Sweet. to some of these podcasts, so that's right. You're, you're semi prepared for it. So who big do you fan. like to watch, both both as a both on the hitting side and then also you know guys who are playing the field? Who are you who are a fan of? Uh, okay, hitting wise, I'm gonna go with. Um, uh, Christian Yelich, uh, nice. in my short time in Milwaukee, I was like, this dude is like, it's simple. Yep. And he just like could not keep the ball in the yard, could not keep <laughs> it. And on defense, I have to go with, with Ahmed. I love Ahmed. Um, just watching him throw, like, it's so, cause he's huge too. He's like 6'4, mm-hmm. but like just watching him. And, uh, also shout out Kevin Kiermeyer too. I love watching him play center. So yeah, he's pretty good. Boom. Um, Pretty good. All right, so favorite teammate of all time? You can, um, you can pick a couple if you want to. <laughs> okay, couple. Um, I mean, definitely the guy who, like, I still go to, like, once a year when I'm, like, you know, just down in the, like, I just need some some wisdom, some guidance, and a guy who, like, I've literally learned everything, like, I based off stuff he said is Raul Abanez. Like, that dude oh, yeah. is great. He's guy. the best. The best. Um, and also Chris Young, tall Chris Young, yep. who uh, was with me in Seattle. Same thing. Like these guys are just like, I don't know. They, they've seen and forgot about more baseball than I'll ever know. So those two, like I, I always, um, you know, kind of go to for wisdom. And even a guy like in Tampa, like Evan Longoria. I mean, that's, you know, as far as like a superstar comes to post every day, like incredible teammate, like, but there, there's a million. I mean, you know, I get along with a lot of people and I don't know. I like it. All right. So <laughs> recommendations for a young Brad Miller. Let's, let's say high school Brad Miller Ooh. and then, and then minor league Brad Miller. Oh, wow. High school Brad Miller. Um, catch the ball, probably <laughs> catch the ball. Um, 
Yeah, there's so many things like I, I've learned or whatever, and I'm like, man, like if I knew that in high school, if I knew that in college, but then again, like that's natural, like the development process. But um, yeah, and then in college, yeah, what do you got? College, Brad, definitely catch the ball. But um, <laughs> uh, college, Brad, I would just say, I don't know, it's okay to fail, I guess. Like, I don't know, I would freak out. Like, in college, obviously, you feel like every game is, like, the biggest thing in the world. And, you know, I ended up, like, my favorite year that I've played in the big leagues is 2014, like, when I was the worst player in the league, you know, <laughs> and I came out on the other side. So it was like, you know, I don't know. You learn from it. It's a good lesson. Yeah. And then uh, what about minor leagues? Granted, you were a minor leaguer for about, I don't know, a year and a half, <laughs> year and a half at most. Right. And I'll get to relive it a little bit this year. but Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, a tough one. But, Just like I remembered. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, what, what was your biggest lesson for the minor leagues? What would you tell yourself? Yeah, I would say just, like, and it applies to, to anything, but, like, just keep your head down and, like, you know, even this year in AAA, I got there and was, like, you know, five and a half years in the big leagues and, like, my first – games I was like one for 20 and I was like freaking out and I'm like oh my god and it's just like okay take a deep breath like keep your head down and just play hard and then like next thing I look up and it's like you know my numbers you know looked how they looked and it was great and I got called up so it's like just just keep your head down dude and stop being an idiot this is awesome. Well, <laughs> normally at this point in the, the interview, we as we sign off, we tell people where they can find you on social media. But you are absolutely nowhere on social media, and I actually yeah. respect that a ton. That's the Blake Trinan strategy as well. So I'm going <laughs> to tell people they can find you at a big league stadium near them at some point in the yeah. upcoming season. That's the best place to see Brad. So. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's where I'll be, so I'm excited. I like it, man. Thanks so much for coming on. It was always good to catch up, and I uh, really enjoyed your insights tonight. Awesome. Yeah, big fan, so thank you for having me. You got it. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd be thrilled if you'd consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving us a review to read on iTunes. We welcome your suggestions for future guests and questions. Just email EliteBaseballPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for your continued support, and we'll see you next episode.